0: Welcome to the Evolving Enterprises podcast. We have stories of growth and transformation. This week, the Horizon system and the post office scandal have been in the news a lot. The post office is being sued for one of the biggest miscarriages of justice in UK legal history. So what happened in this system? How did we end up with an enterprise that went so badly off the rails? How is it possible That we could end up with a situation where nobody actually responded to all of the problems with this system. Our story begins in 1994. The procurement process for what became Horizon was being rolled out. The system was trialled to 300 post offices in 1995. Already there were glitches in the system. There were protests about those but they were ignored two sub-postmasters were accused of fraud, even at this early stage. The project ran on, and in 1999 it was rolled out to uh, all branches of the post office. It cost a billion pounds, and it impacted 18,000 branches and sub-branches. The post office had prosecution powers, and between 1999 and 2015, They'd prosecuted 700 sub-postmasters and postmistresses, an average of one a week. There were 283 further cases that were brought by bodies, including the Crown Prosecution Service. Some of those people, who were completely innocent, went to prison for theft and false accounting. Many were financially ruined. In 2018 and 2019, a group of sub-postmasters sued the post office. By 2024, a public inquiry began. 25 years after the rollout. So what went wrong with this system? How is it possible that a billion pounds worth of new system could be so badly um, configured and so wrong that it would be prosecuting people who were completely innocent for fraud? There were errors in the balances that were being reported and these became apparent just weeks after Horizon's uh, first implementation. As early as 2001 hundreds of bugs had been found, and a full list had never actually been produced. So we began with a piece of software that was actually insufficient and un- incapable of doing the job that it was supposed to do. It was being rolled out, and actually no one in that team really had full confidence in it. An example of this was the Demillion bug. When the screen froze as the user was attempting to confirm receipt of cash, they would naturally press enter. I certainly would if the screen was blank and I'd typed in all the stuff. If it didn't work the first time, I'd probably press it again. Well, thank goodness that I wasn't a a postmaster at the time because then that that particular bug essentially just logged uh, an additional transaction. Silently, it would update the record. No one would know anything about it. In the D'Amelian bug, a £24,000 discrepancy had been produced, which the post office then tried to hold the operator responsible for. Even if the system had worked as intended, it still fell short of acceptable standards. In 2015, the Post Office told the House of Commons Inquiry there is no functionality in Horizon for either a branch, a post office or Fujitsu, the contractor, to edit, manipulate or remove transaction data once it's been located and recorded in the branch's accounts. This was untrue and the Post Office admitted as such four years later during a High Court case. In fact, staff at Fujitsu that made the system were actually able able to remotely access the branch accounts. They had unrestricted and unaudited access to those accounts, the inquiry heard. There were lots of problems in the culture. There were people trying to save themselves and their colleagues from embarrassment. And so it became quite difficult to Deal with the fact that there was something really fundamentally wrong here. There was a sunk cost fallacy, the idea that if you put a certain amount of money into something, it can't possibly fail. There was also arrogance, it was too big to fail. There was no value given to the human life and the impact of the choices that were made on the people who were going to suffer as a result of those. Willful ignorance to what was described at the time as a tricky problem was um, just treated in isolation. People were ignored continually despite the fact that they all were reporting that there were issues with this software and with this rollout. And what this all means is that there's a toxic culture present. A toxic culture can be defined by a number of different things. Some of the key elements that you would find in a toxic culture are disrespect, being non-inclusive, unethical, cutthroat, and abusive. When all those factors come together, they're called the toxic five, and that represents an organisation which is incapable of moving forward and dealing with the very real issues that it has. In the post office, disrespect um, had become a, a key issue within the team who were implementing Horizon. The post office blamed postmasters blindly and they ruined their lives showing a complete lack of consideration, courtesy and any form of dignity for them. They were non-inclusive. There was cronyism and there was a very, very strange culture at play. The postmasters were seen as them and the central staff, the Fujitsu contractors were seen as us and that them and us culture really created a part of the problem. It was unethical And it really can't be overstated just how unethical the Horizon scandal was in terms of behaviour. There was absolute dishonesty there, a complete lack of regulatory compliance. It was cutthroat in the sense that people were going to prison, they were becoming bankrupt. Some were committing suicide, some were putting their life savings in, in order to simply balance the books, even though the postmasters didn't actually owe that money to anybody. And it was abusive. There was hostility towards those postmasters and investigators. So that leads us to a key question. We can all spot the signs of a toxic culture, and I'm sure many of us have worked in workplaces which are, if not in that category, certainly heading into them. I've worked in some places where there are some really, really tough cultures. So, what can you do? If you are a contractor in that space, if you're working with a, a culture like that, well, I think the general rule is that it's very difficult to change that from within. It has to be done from the top. And there are ways to change a toxic culture, but it's got to be led out of that. Leadership is massively important. Social norms, work design also really help in terms of being able to improve and enhance a culture that's got to the point of being really toxic. Changing cultures is really around finding a way to change the narrative. It's about developing a keystone habit, an obsession over one thing that brings the organisation together and values the employees. The key to turning around some organisations may be obsessing over, for example, safety. Culture is of course, lived through behaviours and the way to change culture is to change those behaviours. While culture is set from the top, it's important that we model that behaviour. We model what's expected from employees at every level of the organisation. Middle managers and supervisors create distinctive microcultures. It's really important to coach those distributed leaders in non toxic behaviour. It's important to collect and monitor credible data on the subcultures and on the leaders within an organisation so we can make sure that the culture remains positive. We can make sure that we don't have one of those toxic cultures building up in particular sections of our organisation. It's important to redesign work so that we reduce stress. Reduce the kind of nuisance work that employees have. Remove annoying job demands which don't provide tangible benefits. Clarify the job descriptions and responsibilities making sure there's clear and realistic expectations on our staff. It's important that we give employees as much control over their work as we can. We listen to them and we implement their ideas. It's important to not micromanage. There are some cultures where micromanagement becomes almost just the way that things work. But the more we can allow people freedom the more we can allow them to make mistakes. And in some cultures that really isn't allowed. That's why the micromanaging takes place. But actually allowing people that freedom to learn, to, to learn on as, as they're going, can actually make the organisation vastly more efficient, as well as a whole lot better. Helping employees get a good night's sleep, reducing workplace stress, making sure that work-life balance is better, and ensuring that they have adequate pay so that they reduce their financial stress. All of these things contribute to improving the culture in an organisation. We can turn around cultures that have gone astray. There are many examples of this. Starbucks at one point was a, a rising star. The CEO, Howard Schultz, led the organisation to sustain growth and great product quality over about 14 years. His vision was strong. He was innovative. But when Schultz took a step back from the company, things began to fall apart. The company became disrespectful in its culture. And when they hit an all-time low, Schultz came back to lead the company into its next era of success. His approach was to bring back a focus on leadership, on culture and on quality. He focused on making really fantastic products making sure that people wanted to go and buy coffee in Starbucks. He closed some underperforming stores and he overhauled the company's leadership. He put in place a customer loyalty program and he had created an alliance with Arizona State University so all employees working over 20 hours a week would qualify for free online tuition. It was a way of trying to bring back that culture that used to exist in Starbucks and it was highly successful. Ford is another example where they ended up with quite a cutthroat culture. They started out with what seemed like a harmless motivation approach to increase numbers of sales. It eventually became a divisive war that started to sabotage their own success. The former CEO, Alan Mullally, implemented one Ford. This ideology brought together all the divisions and leadership to create a simple vision for everyone. Instead of focusing on how the divisions could outdo one another they were focusing on working together towards a common goal. It turned around their culture, it made Ford a far more inviting place to be and actually they became more efficient in the process. Microsoft is another example. Their culture turned quite bad when a previous leadership regime punished people for mistakes. Managers were forced to rank their team members and even successful people could be ranked at the bottom of a list if they happened to be in a very good team. It led to innovation being stifled, it led to increased workforce stress because employees were afraid to share their ideas and afraid to make mistakes. The new CEO inherited a hurting culture and expectations changed. Ideas became encouraged. Mistakes were then considered as learning opportunities. and The CEO himself had apologised on, on internal memos when he'd spoken out of turn before he should. This created a culture of learning. It created a culture where people felt that it was OK to do things wrong and it was OK to apologise for them. It brought stronger emotional buy-in from employees and it brought more engagement. And the culture is now thriving as other the company stocks. So we've looked at a number of ways in which it's possible to get out of a toxic workplace culture, but it can only be dealt with at the top. And what a shame for the post office that those opportunities to deal with that culture and move forward and improve things weren't taken. What a shame that that pilot, back in the 1990s, hadn't been acted on, and the system improved, it would have led to an awful lot less stress. It would have led to the working lives of all of those postmasters and postmistresses being very different. We have huge power to be able to change the world in what we do. If we can make some simple changes that make sure we value people, we value the way that people contribute to our businesses and we value the way in which people work. We're able to do really great things. This is the Evolving Enterprises podcast. Thank you for listening.